Good morning, everyone. Welcome to, what, the 23rd, is that right? 11 o'clock, February 23rd, 2011, for our recording. We're trying to do a better job. I, like, left the recorder different places, and so, not that probably a lot of people will listen to the recording from last time, but we have some folks absent today, so we are going to have a brief introduction today with just a video and a quick application I want to show you, and then hopefully we're having several folks share Pecha Kucha presentations, and we're going to spend the rest of the time today learning about Scratch. Um, how many of you were able to subscribe in Google Reader to 10 different websites or feeds? Anybody have trouble submitting the assignment on the, on the quiz? Bless you. Bless you. Uh-huh. When I go to click, like, where you can click, I put a link. Right. I always get this red X, so I've just been pasting the link onto the thing. I don't know if that's okay. Or right. Yeah, the, the link is what you want to share to your Google Reader um, bundle uh-huh. that you create. That's, yeah, that's I correct. I didn't know if I needed to put the link where it says, like, insert link, or if it mattered if I just pasted it. Let me, let me pull it up. Um, I'm... <coughs> I plugged in my Mac because I'm going to show a little iPad app. But on Google Reader, when you have a folder that you're going to share like this, and you save it as a bundle, After your bundle is saved, it gives you the option to um, add a link, and that's the one that, that you want to copy, okay? You want to copy that one that says add a link, um, because what, what I can do then is I'll be able to click on it and see your feeds that you have inside that category. Remember that on our website for our class, one of the resources that we have that's listed under resources, I kind of use resources to get, to get to our blogs. We've got the recordings in the WebCT. We've got our Frequently Asked Questions blog. So some of you have um, sent in questions and I've posted a couple times to this. I actually did record a whole screencast showing those steps. So this is a three-minute screencast. Hello, this is Wesley Fryer, and I'd like to share, which I won't say the whole thing, um, but that takes you through those steps and shows you, and um, I've also got those the explanation there about how to do that. So just be remember that we've got that Frequently Asked Questions blog, and I am going to catch up on my email. I apologize that I have not responded to everybody, and I am going to get, get caught up on email um, this week. So... I wanted to start by having a little assignment update because uh, I want to encourage everybody to stay up with our deadlines, but I'm fine to take your assignment um, late. However, um, don't. I'm hopelessly lost. All right. Let's try this again. Anybody know why it's doing that? Yeah. Okay. So maybe we should close that window. I'm sure none of you have ever 
had it happen before that you have too many windows open. Happens to me a lot. Um, there we go. I've made a couple adjustments on the schedule, and when you click on assignments, um, you'll see these in the calendar. We have a couple weeks before spring break, and we really needed another week um, with Scratch. And so um, what I did was I actually, on our schedule, at the end of the class, we, we had on our schedule two bonus topic weeks. And I took one of those away and then just kind of moved everything down. So um, we are going to have another week with Scratch next week. And um, we're going to have a blog quiz, uh, just like we've had before, a checkpoint quiz that's going to be due before spring break in your Scratch project instead of being doing, due the, on the 4th, is going to be due right before spring break because I'm going to work on evaluating those as I drive to San Diego for a week with my family. So that will be an exciting thing to do, driving across the Arizona desert. Um, so anyway, the blog quiz will be before um, class on the, on the 8th, um, but um, the screencast got put down, and, and so I moved things down a little bit. So um, if you have not submitted your assignment yet for your quiz, please do that and um, use the Frequently Asked Questions blog that we have. If you haven't used that screencast to um, look and see how you, know, how you can do that. Had a great question about uh, downloading Scratch, which we're going to use today. Scratch is on all the computers in the other lab as well as here. And so um, if you don't have a computer at home or are having trouble with yours at home, you can use any of those computers uh, to use Scratch. It's a free program, but at the university, like in the library and stuff, they may have restrictions on what programs can be downloaded and installed. Google Reader, we just go to the web to do. But with Scratch, it has to be downloaded. So you may need to come to the computer lab here in order to use it. Does anybody have a, another question about a schedule or anything else you'd like to ask before we move on beyond that? Okay. Um, I want to try to not talk as long as the, for the introduction today. So um, the videos that I have linked here, by the way, make sure you uh, check in with your attendance. We've got our 11 a.m. link on our website, and that's part of our classes attendance, and usually that's never an issue. People get all their assignments and things like that turned in, but um, please make sure that you put your name in to check, check in today um, and every week for, for our attendance. It's <clears throat> week seven, and it's the link that says 11 for 11 o'clock. The video that I'd like to share with you today, um, I have linked uh, from Dr. Michael West, and he is a nationally uh, recognized cultural anthropology professor at Kansas State University. And he posted um, a video on his website um, that we're going to take a look at. He has created some videos that have gone viral, that have had millions and millions of views. And uh, he is uh, a cultural anthropologist, so he studies how, uh, how cultures interact. And one of the things that he has done a lot of study with involves technology and students. Um, 
And so he is going to be the keynote speaker here at UCO in two weeks at a conference called the Heartland eLearning Conference that is March 7th and 8th. You don't have to attend. It's not required for this class. Uh, but it's pretty cool to get somebody like this in who's going to be talking and sharing. I've never gotten to hear him present in person. Um, so let's take a look at this real quick. Students, um, we are starting a new project, and we need your help. We just want to see the world that we So just grab any camera, any camera will do, and take a foot, flip the spine, or if you have one of these, even better. Um, you know, then we can actually see what you see narrowed over the top of it, or maybe like get really creative and write little notes, and then give us a little message about what you see. So you guys might remember this video. This is a video we made uh, some time ago, and, and this is sort of like the inversion of that. You know, from the faculty point of view, we want to see uh, the world from your point of view, and we want more messages inside of the video. So like, I'm preparing the class right now. And this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking for my PowerPoint, getting really ready. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to class. Creating videos, it can be anything from like zero seconds to two minutes, or even longer. We don't really care. And it can be anything. So, so tag it DOSC 2011 on YouTube. They will create this fast pool of stuff to read next. If you include music on your track, you should include two tracks. Include one with music and then take music off of another one. In case somebody who's in this and you work wants to add their add different music. So um, that's going to be exciting. Um, on our website for um, the class, I guess I'm going to have to fix this. Teachable moment, why when I push my finger here, does it not do what I want it to do? I think the board's off, that's right. And I can't figure out why this board loses its orientation when I am not moving the projector and I'm not moving my board because it's mounted to the wall. When you push both of the buttons that are here at the front at the same time, it brings up the orientation grid, and you can simply put your finger on those like that, or you can draw so that the pin ends where the dot is, and that's supposed to keep it oriented, but that's a little mystery. I'll, maybe I'll try and solve that this week. I don't know why that, why that is. Okay, now that I've done that, it's clicking a little bit better. Um, I have a link on our uh, curriculum for next week that goes to Heartland. This is uh, at UCO. Um, again, it's March 7th and 8th. I will check in to see. Usually they have something free deal for students to be able to go to the keynote um, and then a discounted registration or some, some kind of uh, thing like that. And I'll, uh, I'll find out what the, the good deal is for students. But that will be a, uh, a good opportunity if you want to attend. That's on... Um, Monday and Tuesday of not next week, but the week that's after that. Okay, I'm talking too long. The last thing I want to show you before we start our Pecha Kucha presentations is this. This is an application called Flipboard, and we 
I mentioned it last week. We're using Google Reader to make a, a digital newspaper, to make a customized newspaper that just has information feeds that we're interested in. And Google Reader is an application, a web-based application, um, that works with different other platforms. And so what I've got is my iPad plugged in, and I'm going to simply open up Flipboard, and Flipboard lets me subscribe to different channels of information. It lets me have two different pages. Bless you. And so um, here on this page, I've got some mainstream media channels that I've subscribed to. Like you can see National Geographic down there at the bottom, the San Francisco Gate. Um, <laughs> this, this is one of my favorite ones. I just clicked on Astronauts. So we have astronauts right now, I say we, the world does, because they're at the International Space Station. They're not all from, from the U.S. Um, astronauts taking pictures. This is a photo of Paris taken from the International Space Station and posted to Flickr uh, seven hours ago. And, you know, this is just one channel of information that I've uh, subscribed to and that I can flip through. Now, it's not quite as impressive looking up on the screen as it is on the board. Um, one, one of the things they do sometimes is they'll, they'll post um, images and say, guess where that is. Anybody been to New Zealand before? Where were you in New Zealand? Were you on the South Island or North Island? Really? Did you go to Christchurch? Yes. Did you go to the church in Christchurch? I don't I heard that the spire for this one actually fell of the church. So I was an exchange student down there in, in 1987, about uh, two hours from Christchurch, and, and my uh, host mom lives in a town called Geraldine. And so, anyway, I just I emailed her last night to try and say, you know, hey, are you guys okay, and is your family okay? So that's one, one example. Let me show you the Google Reader example. So these are channels, and I could go to the web to look at those, you know, those Twitter um, photos that those astronauts have published, but I can also um, come here. In fact, I think, well, I'm going to click on, my, on Google Reader, okay? This is, when, when Twitter first came out, a lot of people really discounted it as, gosh, isn't that stupid? I mean, I don't care what people have for breakfast. You know, that's, that's kind of a dumb thing. Why would I want to know, you know, what people are going to share when they can do 140 characters at a time? Well, what's happening now are people are sharing all kinds of other things, and that's how I learn about a lot of educational blogs and a lot of educational sites is through Twitter. But this is my, um, my Google Reader feed, and so this is, that's all the content that I've subscribed to in Google Reader. Here's just the education folder, so the things that I've put into um, – education. Um, these are different things that people are sharing. This is a way, I mean, I can go through these and flip through these, and if there's an article that I want to <laughs> share, I can click on it, and if I say view the original, sometimes I'll be able to see it all inside the RSS feed or inside Google Reader. Other times I'll have to actually go to the website and um, hmm. This is just a short post about college loans and how there's a contradiction in calling for more college degrees, but um, changes for eligibility for loans, and, and this is a link that, that somebody's sharing about that. 
Anytime I find something that I want to share, and I'm going to actually, I don't want to share that article. I'm going to actually go back over here to Astronauts and share that link of, uh, the, of the Christchurch image. There's different ways that I, can, that I can do this. If you see up in the corner of the screen, there's a little arrow or a little box with an arrow. And it gives me choices for how I can share this. I can click post. And I can post this to different places. I can post it to Twitter. I can post it to Facebook. I can post it to Google Reader. So when I'm doing this, this is a way for me, as I am going out and getting information on the web, collecting the things that I want to go back to and refer to later. So I'll say, amazing photo of New Zealand from space. And actually, that's not just New Zealand, that's Christchurch, New Zealand. And I'm going to go ahead and send that to Google Reader. So now, when I go back to my Google Reader or other people who are following me on Google Reader or look at my, my shares, they'll be able to see that article. I can also either retweet this as it is or I can post it on the web. Now, what do you notice about this, huh, this post? Yeah, it's in different languages. So I'm going to do um, some edits here, and I'm going to go ahead and delete out the, I think that's Japanese, because I think that astronaut is from Japan. So I'm going to delete that. Um, and I could add my own commentary if I want to here. But now when I click send, why did I have to do that? Why can't I send that now? Too many characters, right? Down there at the bottom it tells me I've got 144 character limit, so I have to reduce that so that I'm below there. When I go ahead and click send, now anybody who happens to be following me on Twitter could actually find that link. So I'm going to just go to Safari. do not know why our light spontaneously decided to come on there. I'm going to just go to my Twitter account. And what we're going to see at the top is that particular link. Okay? And here um, it says shared uh, with Flipboard. And so we can click on that, and it will take us to that particular link. So, anyway, I wanted to show that to you because I do not think we are anytime soon or possibly ever going to go back to the 1800s when information was hard to find, when it was really difficult to get stuff. Today, it is easier than ever to get stuff, and in fact, it's overwhelming in many cases to have so much information. And so we need to have smarter ways of filtering information, customizing information, bringing the information that we're interested in to us, and then collecting and sharing pieces that we want to use later. So in that process or in, to support that goal, I think Google Reader is a really important tool. Um, it's the way that I read the web 
pretty much every day. Uh, you don't have to use Google Reader. You don't have to use this kind of a tool. Um, statistically speaking, I would say far less than a quarter. I don't have the exact number, but it may even be less than 10% of people today are using a news aggregator like Google Reader as we're learning to do in this class, to subscribe to content to be able to go to it. Um, you may not have an iPad or uh, any kind of tablet or anything like that today. These devices are just going to keep on getting cheaper. They're just going to keep getting more powerful. The ability to navigate information by touching it instead of using a mouse makes so much more sense than, being, than, than having um, you know, these other uh, more expensive technologies to, to be able to navigate. So that is your quick introduction to um, Google Reader and, well, not to Google Reader, to Flipboard, um, and I, but I wanted to show that. And uh, it's a free application. There's different ways that you can access you know, your Google Reader. I really think that it's a valuable place to invest if you're going to spend time, you know, um, working online. You've got to, we all have to make decisions about what, you know, what are we going to learn? Where are we going to spend our time? And I don't think Google Reader is a, is a waste of time if you're going to want to spend time learning there. Um, I don't think we're going to have to use the smart board anymore, so it's okay that didn't come up. Anybody have a question or comment about Flipboard? or is it, Does anybody, um, how many of you have a, a, a tablet of some kind or a smartphone of some kind? The statistics on that are, you know, there's, it's still pretty small as far as folks that have smart boards uh, or that have a uh, smartphone. Um, but if, there's, if there are statistics that I tend to see that, you know, really, really frequently, the mobile web, the fact that content is, you know, by 2020, we're going to have more people accessing the Internet via their cell phone than anything else. Um, and then the ability to be able to, you know, access content and also share content, all of those are really important and good skills. So, yeah, I think they're going to announce the next generation of the iPad uh, next week on March the 2nd. I think that's what I read, March 3rd or something like that. So, And it should have a camera, so that will be a good thing. Okay, we are going to now switch into our Petra Kucha presentations. And so, again, like we've done the last couple weeks, I need you to link to the evaluation, uh, peer evaluation form that's on our, our Petra Kucha page. Um, we may have some people that needed to make a change uh, schedule-wise as far as pre uh, presenting. You can kind of see from our schedule that next week we've got quite a few folks. So if for some reason you can't go today and you're on the schedule, that will be okay. Um, but just send me an email and we will get you programmed in. We may need to have a... Um, another week that we'll do these after spring break. We'll just have to see. But we're clicking the link at the top that says 11 a.m. for our presentations. And as always, we'll be kind and generous to our presenters and give them some good feedback and be a good audience for them. Would anybody like to volunteer to go first today? All right. Come on back. You have it on a, a flash drive? Yeah. So yeah. We'll Go ahead. Let's let's give it another try. Let's give it another try. I'm feeling better about it this time. I'm the the, the car mode is better this time. 
Um, if you just if you don't have it open, you can just pull it out. Yeah, pull, 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 yeah, close the file. You never want to have a, a file open when you remove a USB drive because it can get corrupted when it does that. If it does something weird, we can plug in the other computer. Be a lifesaver? Yes. Yay! All right. Are you ready? Okay. And get, don't forget to introduce yourself to us. I'm ready. Hi, my name is Pamela. I am here
as we all know, is 0.08% is illegal intoxicated, legally intoxicated. So how do we get sleep deprivation? Well, this is a hypnogram and, um, of a normal sleep cycle, and according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, we need to be in the REM sleep, rapid eye movement REM sleep at least four times during the night and in order to acquire sleep, in order to not get sleep deprivation. If you didn't figure out already, sleep deprivation is accumulative, meaning if you sleep six hours one night, five another, assuming you need eight a night, you've deprived your body of a total of five hours of sleep. And most people become notably sleep deprived after just 15 hours of lost sleep. Sleep is required to maintain your body and reduce the risk of injury and illness. 1,400 participants in a sleep heart health study became sleep deprived when you're increasing your risk of, became risk of increasing your heart disease risk, your type 2 diabetes, your impaired immune system, obesity, and growth depression. This is a girl who has a um, type 2 diabetes insulin pump and she has to be connected to that 24-7. If she had watched for her sleep cycle as well as her nutrition, this could have been completely avoided. A myth about energy drinks can um, actually have an effect on sleep deprivation. The fact is energy drinks give you energy just for a temporary boost of energy, and um, the drinks mask the symptoms and before mentioned health risks of chronic sleep deprivation actually interfere in getting a complete night's sleep. This is how your brain feels when it is sleep deprived. Sleep deprivation ruins your social life by making you very irritable. Sleep deprivation also interferes in your ability to create and process memories and impairs your judgment in severe cases can lead to hallucination. Being able to identify warning signs of sleep deprivation is the first step to saving yours or someone else's life. Obvious signs to look for are head nodding, inability to keep their eyes open, inability to concentrate, or a change in your appetite, like you're overeating or you're just playing with your food, you're so tired you can't eat fall asleep in your dinner. Most people can cure their own sleeping deprivation by just sleeping eight hours a night. Having a space in your room or apartment that's just for sleeping can aid in sleeping a full night. The environment that you sleep in should be intended just for sleeping, not watching TV, doing homework, or playing on your laptop. When you go to bed, your body needs to be conditioned and knowing it's time to sleep. Sleep deprivation can be combated by taking 20-minute naps a couple times in a day. One of the best places to sleep is to find some place that's comfortable, quiet, and free of distractions. If you suffer from sleep deprivation and have and have done everything that I've mentioned, sleep eight hours a night, you may have a sleeping disorder. Your doctor may order a sleep test to help determine why you are not sleeping. There are many reasons why you may not be getting a full night's sleep, ranging from physical, emotional, or health reasons. Eventually, your body will find a way to get sleep. You may be on a subway, on your couch, in a classroom, or God forbid, while driving a car. Sleep-deprived driving is reaching epidemic levels in the United States and is killing thousands a year. My family's life has changed forever when two men did not recognize their friends from sleep deprivation. And as a result, he fell asleep at the wheel and hit my sister's head. Family is banned head-on, killing my brother-in-law and leaving my sister handicapped. Now my niece and nephew will have to grow up without their father next to their side. 
Will you let this happen in someone's family or will you save a life? No, 80,000, let's see, I have it there, I'm It says, according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, 80,000 drivers are falling asleep behind the wheel every day. Yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot. Every day. That's really scary. Yeah. To be on the road to think about 80,000 people falling asleep. So, I mean, if you think about it, sleep depriving, you know, you're sleep deprived, you're driving, and you're texting, or you're on the cell phone, it doubles all those numbers. And the scary thing for us is that the two people that um, were with the man that hit my sister's vehicle was a chief of fire and the father of the guy that was driving. And he couldn't even get through his breakfast and lunch, and they still let him drive home. And actually, he died as well because he suffocated. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and he was a sheriff's deputy. Last Friday night, my wife and I went on an early Valentine's Day, and we were just at the restaurant, and somebody comes and jumps in the back of our car, wasn't a massive deal, but the lady was like, I'm so sorry, I had to sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was no damage, but,
the default metering, which is um, evaluated equalized metering, to where it, whenever you hit the button to focus, it focuses on the subject right, you know, the right subject right when that's in front of you. Uh, this right here is a AF points, which is autofocus points, uh, and this is going to be default two, which is going to let multi-focus going to be open to all of them. Um, when you get more advanced, you're going to want like different focus points, like to the side, then your subjects to the side, or you know, just in the diagonal area of the side right there. So now we're going to talk about composition. Uh, this is an example I have. This is my girlfriend, and uh, I take a picture of her. And uh, whenever you're looking for composition, you want to look for uh, interesting areas. You want to be close up on the subject. And you want to, you know, get a full frame of something. Something you can look at, you're like, oh, it brings you all into the portrait. This is called the rule of thirds. The rule of thirds breaks up uh, pictures in uh, three sections, horizontally and vertically, to help you better compose a picture. Uh, mostly they say keep it in the corners of them because it brings the, the picture all around so it, like, it's fluid. When you... Uh, when you do photography, you want to make sure you have a good, uh, uh, what is it called, a good knowledge of depth of field, because it makes pictures interesting. You look at this, you see a ring real close up, you know, blue, something, something blue from the wedding, and he's like, oh, that's cool, right? You know, it's interesting, you draw your eye there, you see the whole picture, you know what it is, it's a wedding. Uh, when you're deciding what kind of picture to take, you want to decide whether you want to do it a portrait uh, view or a a landscape view. Either or, I like portrait a lot. I take it a lot in tall way. Uh, but, you know, since this is portrait photography, <laughs> you know, it's pretty simple. Um, but this still is comp uh, about composition. So see right here, the trees are pulling them in to the subject. This composition, I got lucky one day and saw these trees and it was beautiful. But more importantly, because the rule of thirds, you have them in the bottom corner, you pull all the stuff into who the subject is. That's the biggest part of uh, portrait photography. You want to make sure you know your subject. Um, this one's also just a couple who wanted to get some pictures. And, uh, you know, also in the rule of thirds, it's a good idea to always keep the eyes in the top third of the picture because it makes it more interesting. You draw your eyes to the subject quickly. You have a nice blurred background. That's because depth of field is the aperture mode. Um, this one right here is a close-up. Uh, a lot of portraits uh, nowadays, modern ones, they like the close-up, they like the lot of eye, a lot of, uh, it shows intensity, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I like I like every kind of aspect of photography, so I try to try to mess with them all. And uh, all in all, what we remember is just uh, composition, um, exposure modes, um, all together. There you go. That's what makes the basic photography right there. Thank you very much. How did you initially get uh, interested in photography and Um, Initially, I just, I always, like, looked at pictures on Flickr, and I had a point and shoot forever, and I was like, man, this is looking horrible, and I see these pictures that people have with certain cameras, and I'm like, that's awesome, and I want to do pictures like that, so just kept on uh, slowly buying stuff, and and last year I actually made a business out of it, so if anybody <laughs> needs some photography done, there you go.
I'm Canon all the way. Uh, Canon has a better lenses. They have the L series lens, and uh, they're expensive, you know. But if you really want to go somewhere in photography, you got to make sacrifices. Thank you very much. All right. Being prepared with his own laptop, so the lesson learned that I'm running to this too because I, you know, create stuff on a Mac as well. Um, sometimes there's some issues uh, file transfer wise between Windows and Mac. Uh, sometimes, like for an insurance policy, uh, you can save as a PDF file, and then um, it's, you know, it doesn't have all the same features that you said for a presentation and things like that. I've, I've done that before where. PowerPoint didn't work, but you know, the PDF version. Yes, Yeah, it's Um, Yeah, if anybody has any more questions there, we're interested in photography, you can ask me too. And that's, uh, you have to hire me to do stuff. Huh? No, I just put If you hit, 
refresh or reload button <laughs> on your form.
That is me and Emily Autumn. Um, I am going to be meeting her again in two weeks for my second time. Her music, she's my favorite singer on the planet. Her music is Victorian industrial. Think um, electric violin. Her music is described as being the best cup of tea combined with cyanide smashed against your grandmother's antique wallpaper. Um, she wrote a book it's called The Asylum for Wayward Victorian Girls. This is her reading her book to us. This was before it was actually released. Once it was released, I got a first edition, which there was only less than a thousand of this printed, so I was pretty excited. Um, as you can see, there's kind of a burlesque slash Victorian theme going on. She uh, she calls all of her fans plague rats because it was just a very endearing term in her case. She feels that rats are one of the most misunderstood creatures on the face of the earth because um, you know, they're always used for testing and, and, you know, lab rats and all this stuff. And she's really big into PETA, especially concerning rats. Um, interesting fact about rats, rats and humans are the only two things, creatures, that are ticklish. No other animal, like, you can tickle them that has the ha-ha tickle. Every animal can itch. But as far as, like, the ha-ha tickle, rats and humans, that's it. Um, she has really pretty hair. I want hair like that someday. I'm working on it. Um, let's see what else about her. Well, her book was written as a sort of semi-autobiography. She uh, went through a phase from like 14 to 20 that she called Torrential Era. It was completely different from what she currently is. She um, was then submitted to a psychiatric ward and because she was suicidal. And her book is basically about everything she went through in that ward. She was diagnosed with manic depression and schizophrenia and associated fugue, which is where you have multiple, it's a type of multiple personality, but your personality lives in like a complete other time. It can be a man, even though you're a woman. Her case, it was the 16-year-old girl in Victorian England.
early and during the middle of the semester rather than at the end. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things we learn about each other when we give each other chances to talk and share. So a lot of times um, I'm taking classes where you don't have that opportunity. So uh, it depends on your class and, and certain campus and things like that. But anyway, appreciate those of you that have presented. Remember, uh, if you have not presented yet and you are not on the schedule, you definitely need to get in touch with me and um, we'll get you on the schedule. Uh, we'll probably add one more week following spring break um, for doing our presentations so we can get everybody to share their presentations. Um, in most of the cases we've seen so far, we've had good attribution. Remember for our Eupetricutus, we want you to use full-size full images and somewhere try and get your attribution links for where your videos or your your images came from, either at the end or at the home room, of course, you don't have to do that with your pictures. Um, but if you get them from somewhere else, just like I'm doing here on our website, where at the bottom of our pages I've got a link, an attribution link, there's not a police that goes and says, oh my gosh, you know, that PowerPoint didn't have attribution. We're going to, you know, come find you. That doesn't happen, but part of what we do as academics is give credit for where we find resources and where those resources come from. So it's not only important for us to have our students do it, it's important for us to try and model that too, of course. So we have a good 45 minutes. Yes, question? Can we still go today? Yeah. Are you, are you ready to still go? Okay, very good. Absolutely. Yes, come on back and we'll do your presentation and then we'll jump in the strap. Obviously, is a room. 
And since you're actually going to have to carry your broom in between your legs to play, um, you want to kind of think about what kind of material you're going to make it off. So if you make a real good-looking broom, it's going to be really heavy. So some people just use just regular sticks, which might be kind of lame. But. Um, then you also need goal hoops. Um, they're going to be placed on each side of the field, and they all have different heights. Uh, one of them is six feet tall, then the other one is three, and then there's one that's 4.5. And they all need to be individual standing, and they're pretty easy to make. So, And then uh, this is a box that has all the balls in the sections from the movie. And um, you're going to be needing one quaffle and then two bludgers, and then this here is like the little golden snitch, which is actually not in the box right now. But that's all the balls that you're going to be needing to play. Uh, the quaffle in our Muggle Quidditch um, game is going to be a volleyball that's not uh, pumped up all the way so that you can pick it up with one hand because you're going to be holding your broom with the other. And it's the main ball of the game because um, it's used for scoring. So, And there's only one of them. And then uh, there are going to be three chasers and they're responsible for moving the quaffle all the way down the field and then hopefully and eventually scoring by throwing it through one of these hoops. And um, I think you get you get 10 points for every time that you score. And the chasers are actually able to go through the hoops with their entire body if they would want to. And then there are the bludgers um, where we use dodgeballs for them. And their position is called, uh, you're, you're a beater if you play with the dodgeballs. And you're supposed to just throw them and hit your opponent so that you throw them off and, you know, kind of distract them. And then the most important ball, I guess, is the golden snitch. And in Harry Potter, um, it's this little tiny ball that has wings and it flies really fast, and you have to go and catch it. And um, since we really, in our world, do not have flying balls, <laughs> we use a person for that, and it's all dressed in yellow, and, and it, has, um, it has this little sock with a tennis ball in it, and it just kind of needs to run. So, and then every team has a seeker that is supposed to catch the, the snitch person. <laughs> so, um, I mean, all the all the people like the, the seeker and, and the snitch need to be really good runners because that's all they're going to be doing. And um, I guess you can get really creative and, and hide somewhere so you can kind of rest or whatever. But... The important thing is that if you do get a hold of the snitch, like he does, um, you're going to have to get the sock with the tennis ball off of the person of the snitch so <laughs> to make the catch valid. So, um, And it also ends the game. And, and I think in, in Harry Potter, you get a whole bunch of points for it. But in, in, the, in our muggle world, you only get a couple. Um, and then before the game starts, everybody needs to have their rooms and at least one knee down on the ground, and you need to have your face, you need to face the ground, and you need to have your eyes closed, so that when the snitch starts running off before the game starts, you don't know where it goes. So, <laughs> everyone needs to have that. And then the score in Quidditch, um, you're going to have to, like I said, use the quaffle and, and uh, throw it through the hoops, and every time you get 10 points. And then there's also no um, set time for the game, but it ends as soon as somebody catches the snitch. And there are also um, 
four to five referees are, are necessary to have a Quidditch game. There's one head referee, and then there's two for the goals, and then there's two for the bludgers, and then there's one separate one for the snitch, because they can run off the field and do whatever. So they're going to be all these referees. And then um, Quidditch can get kind of rough, because tackling is actually allowed with one arm um, and just below the, the waist, I think. Um, but then you can also charge the person that has the ball, so like you kind of knock them over. But so I don't know. You might have to pay attention that you don't get poked in the eye with a broom. But and then there's also actually an international Quidditch association, and um, they made up all these rules and kind of compared it to the Harry Potter game. And um, I guess they have like several teams that are part of it and. Um, they also hold a World Cup every year, and the last one was in New York. And um, as far as I know, you can just kind of sign up and play by those rules and go, because it's not like it's a huge sport. It's not really competitive. And then I guess um, the, the last thing I wanted to say is that UCO is forming a Quidditch team right now. It's called Hogwarts UCO Chapter, and their first game is on April 14th. So. It's at Plunkett Park. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where are you playing? Yeah, I'm actually the president. <laughs> <laughs> Other comments, questions for Lisa? Did anybody else know this was going on? No.
uh, over Christmas when we were playing with Scratch and, and working with it. I'm going to go ahead and download this into uh, Scratch, and the way that we do that, as you hopefully found out, is by clicking on the name and then opening it up in Scratch. And this one has got five different sprites, and what I'll do is I'll just play it first. I'm going to go up here to the upper right corner to this projector icon, so it goes full screen, and I click the, the green flag. And not all projects, but a lot of projects are set where the green flag is what you click on first to start. So the thing I learned from this project was people can use variables in Scratch, and you can use really advanced math. And I am positive the person who made this is not seven years old. <laughs> and the reason is, every time you play this project, it's different because it introduces random numbers. And when we look at the formulas and things like that that they use for this, they're actually really advanced trigonomic functions, like cosine, sine, tangent, stuff like that. So it's kind of good to see because sometimes people will look at Scratch and go, oh, that's real nice for the kindergartners. Well, check this out. <laughs> you know, if you look at this, this is just on Sprite 2. It's picking a random number, um, 1 to 200. It's going to an X value based on that random number, but it's starting always at negative 180Y, other random numbers. And then it's, in this case, it starts to do something called a stamp. Now, the person who's like the father of Scratch, or the grandfather of Scratch, is named Seymour Papert. And Papert um, invented logo as a language. He studied with Jean Piaget in France, and you probably have heard of Piaget in some of your other courses talking about psychology and child development. Well, Papert's dream was to create a world where math would be the language. If we went to France right now and we were living there, we would probably learn how to speak French. Why? Because we would need to know how to speak French to get by, you know? In the same way, in Scratch, this is real advanced math. But as we're going to do today, when we just move the cat around, we'll learn about the coordinate grid, x and y coordinates. We'll learn about positive negative numbers. We'll learn about um, repeated loops. We'll, you know, there's all kinds of stuff we'll learn about. So this particular project to me was just like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. And what they're doing here is just like the turtle that Papa created where kids would say, move 20 steps, put the pin down, you know, turn right 90 degrees, then go forward 50 steps. The same thing's happening here. When you see it say stamp, that's where it's making these dots. And then in other cases, I think maybe it just says, yeah, pin down, pin up. So the sprite in this case is not a cat or a bat or some kind of object. Um, it's actually it, um, just a dot. If I click on it and click the costumes and edit it, this dot, that's it. That's the character. Um, and so they're using that and some of these here. Okay, that's three dots. <laughs> but from that, they're creating those, those fireworks. So, pretty, pretty stuff. Pretty amazing. So, you can pull up your project any way that you want. I pull our class blog up, and you can, one of the easiest ways is if you just want to click on your name here on the side of our blog, then you can go to your post, and if you've got a link to 
the project, you can share it. You don't have to talk as long as I did. Just something real short that you just want to show us a project and then tell us something about it. Then you might be willing to share one of the projects that they saw.